0: We are now in our last two weeks of study, in our book study, Joshua set foot on the road, never traveled. Now let's have a quick review of what we've covered so far. Joshua chapters 2 to 5 is about entering the promised land. and Joshua chapter 6 to 12, It's about conquering the promised land and Joshua chapters 13 to 22 is dividing the promised land. And now we are in the last two chapters, which is chapters 23 and 24, and that is about keeping the promised land. Now, here's the background or the historical context. By this time, the people of Israel had settled in the land of Canaan, the promised land, for about 15 to 20 years. And Joshua is now very old and nearing the time of his death. But before he died, Joshua gathered all the people of Israel and gave them his final words. And here in chapter 23, which is part one of Joshua's final speech, he instructed first the leaders of Israel. In chapter 24, which is part two, it will be preached by Pastor Jared next week. And these are the final words of Joshua. And he addressed all the people of Israel, including the leaders. And today we will focus on chapter 23. And what did Joshua tell them? He gave them his final instructions. Ang huling bilin, Ito ang mga huling bilin ni Joshua. Now imagine that you will say your last words to your family and loved ones. What would you tell them? What would you say to them? What would you tell your spouse or your children or your grandchildren? What final instructions would you give your loved ones? Ano ang magiging huling bilin mo para sa yung pamilya at mahasabuhi? Will it be about money? business or bank accounts? Will it be about love, forgiveness, reconciliation? Will it be about your faith in Jesus Christ and your love for the Lord, your God? Will it be about your journey of faith? What will you tell them? What will be your last words? You see, days before my father passed away, he gave me his final words as well. And that is something that I have kept in my heart because it is important. Also, My wife, three months before her father died, three months before my father-in-law passed away, he left a letter to my wife, which contained his last words and wishes for the family. And until now, my wife keeps that letter and treasures it. You see, final words are important. Final words are significant. And that is something that we need to take seriously. And as for Joshua, these are his final words to Israel. And what did he tell them? It's how to keep God's blessing. He gave them these instructions, how to keep God's blessing. And that is our title for today. Joshua tells them, now that God has given you the promised land, now that you have these blessings from the Lord, then these are the things that you should do to keep God's blessing. Now that you have tasted God's faithfulness, here are your responsibilities so that you would continue to enjoy His favor. And now let us look at the three things that we can learn from this chapter, how to keep God's blessing. First, remember the Lord's faithfulness. Second, be strong in your conviction to follow the Lord. And third, be careful to love the Lord your God. Now here's the first, remember the Lord's faithfulness. Joshua 23 verses 1 to 2. The years passed and the Lord had given the people of Israel rest from all their enemies. Joshua was now very old and called together all the elders, leaders, judges, and officers of Israel. Joshua called together the leaders of the nation, the elders, the judges, and the officers. And Joshua's top concern is to encourage the next generation leaders to follow his final instructions. Why? It is because where the leader goes, people follow. And this principle applies to families, companies, churches, and nations. Where the leader goes, people will follow. Now let's continue. Verses 2-5. to And Joshua said to them, I am now very old, and you have seen everything the Lord your God has done for you during my lifetime. The Lord your God has fought for you against your enemies. I have allotted to you as your homeland all the land of the nations yet unconquered, as well as the land of those who have already conquered From the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea in the West. The land will be yours for the Lord your God will himself drive out all the people living there now. You will take possession of their land just as the Lord your God promised you." Notice what Joshua said in verse three, you have seen everything the Lord your God has done. Now the name Lord, which is in all capital letters is the name Yahweh in Hebrew, which is God's covenant name. Yahweh is God's covenant name. Here in this chapter 23, it appeared 17 times within the 16 verses. Yahweh means, I am who I am. This is God's covenant name, which he revealed from the time of Moses. But this is also something significant because Yahweh means this. Yahweh is the faithful God who fulfills his promise. That is the significance of this name. Yahweh is the faithful God who fulfills his promises. Back in Exodus chapter 3, God called Moses to rescue his people from Egypt. That is about 65 years prior to this chapter. Then the Lord told Moses, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. So I have come down to rescue them and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. In the land flowing with milk and honey. In the land where the Canaanites now live. And God also said to Moses, Say to this people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. And was God true to his word? Definitely the Lord was faithful to all of his promises, in which Joshua declared and affirmed here in chapter 23. Joshua reminded them, as leaders, you have seen the Lord's faithfulness up up close. You have tasted and seen God's promises fulfilled and what he has done firsthand. And what are those things? He said in verse 1, the Lord gave you rest from your enemies. The Lord gave them rest from their enemies. And the Lord, in verse 3, it says, the Lord fought for them. Now recall the, the things that we have discussed when they entered the promised land, how God fought for them. The Lord dried up the Jordan River so that they could cross the river, even during flood season. And God helped Israel conquer Jericho by marching, blowing and shouting. The walls of Jericho fell down with God's help. And then at the battle of Ai, the Israelites were initially defeated because of their sin, but eventually God restored them and forgave them. And the Lord gave them strategies, how to ambush the soldiers and conquer the city. And when you go to the Southern Campaign, God turned around Israel's mistake with the Gibeonites. And to defeat the Five King Coalition in one single battle, God helped them with miracles. The sun and moon stood still, and there's the miracle of hailstorm that crushed their enemies. And finally, in the Northern Campaign, Israel was outnumbered by a vast armies with horses and chariots, but God gave them victory. And throughout those seven years of conquest, the Lord enabled Joshua and Israel to defeat 31 kings in all, and they conquered the land. And now here's the point. The Lord, Yahweh, is the faithful God who fulfills his promises. Yes, it took time for them to conquer the land, but eventually God fulfilled all his word to them. And so Joshua reminded the leaders of this truth. Keep the blessing, and in order to keep that, remember God's faithfulness. In order to give the blessing, remember the Lord's faithfulness. Now reflect on your life. How has the Lord been faithful to you in your family? What is the story of God's faithfulness in your life? For me, I praise God for his goodness and faithfulness. And the Lord opened my eyes when I was about 10 years old. He opened my eyes to the gospel and I understood my need for a savior. And through that, I was able to know about how to give my life to Christ, how to walk by faith. And after I graduated from elementary, the Lord led our family to transfer from Rizal to here to Quezon City. And the Lord provided us for us housing and education. And my siblings and I got to study in a Chinese school in PAQC. And that same year in 1994, God led our family to CBCP. And that was 29 years ago. And many more blessings followed after that. I graduated from high school and then went to college. I got a scholarship and I was able to uh, study and finish engineering in USD. And in the year 2000, I met my wife, Michelle at the Youth Gospel Center. And 12 years after we got married and even our own uh, love story is a testament of God's faithfulness to us. And also the Lord gave me a fruitful engineering career before I became a pastor. And now as a minister, I continue to experience God's goodness and faithfulness in my life. How about you? What is the story of God's faithfulness to you and your family? I encourage you remember them, recite them, recall them, share with others about your story, the story of God's faithfulness. Maybe later, after you listen to this message, later during lunchtime or dinner time, as you gather around the table. Retell the story of God's faithfulness to you and your family. Let them know how the Lord has been good to you and may God's name be praised through his faithfulness. Now, if you think about it, Joshua, as he gave his final words to the leaders, he could have said and focused on himself and his accomplishment. He could have enumerated all the impressive things he has done as a military leader, but praise God, he did not do that. He did not highlight his achievements. Instead, Joshua was far more interested in giving glory to God than talking about himself. He said in verse 3, You have seen everything the Lord your God has done for you during my lifetime. He did not say, You have seen everything I did for you. No, he did not say that. He said, You have seen everything the Lord has done for you. Now, how about you? When you talk about your life story, when you share about your ministry, Do you highlight your achievement or do you highlight God's work in your life? Do you seek glory for yourself or do you seek glory for the Lord? May the Lord help us as we look back in our lives and as we reflect on what we have right now and where we are today. May the words of Psalm 115 be our words and our declaration. Not to us, O Lord, not to us. Not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. Next, to keep God's blessing, Joshua tells the leaders, be strong in your conviction to follow the Lord. Chapter 23, verse 6. So be very careful to follow everything Moses wrote in the book of instruction. Do not deviate from it, turning either to the right or to the left. A more accurate translation is, In the English Standard Version or ESV, it says, Therefore, be very strong to keep and do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, turning aside from it neither to the right hand or to the left. You See, in the original Hebrew text, the word strong here means to be firm or to hold firmly. Used in a negative way, this is the same word that was used to describe Pharaoh's stubbornness in Exodus chapter 7.13. Pharaoh's heart, however, remained hard. He still refused to listen just as the Lord had predicted. That's the same word. But also used in a positive way, the same word is used in Joshua 1.6-9. The Lord said to Joshua, Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people. Be strong, that's the word, and be very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, here's the point. We need to be firm in following the Lord. We need to be strong in our decisions, in our convictions, as we follow God. Notice the similarity between these two verses. In chapter 23, it says, Therefore, be very strong to keep or obey and do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, turning aside from it neither to the right hand nor to the left. And in chapter 1, Verse seven, be strong and be very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left, then you will be successful in everything you do. This is interesting. At the beginning of the chapter, the beginning of Joshua, God already gave this command. Be strong and be very courageous. Be careful to obey everything according to God's law. And here in the closing part of Joshua, these words were repeated again, be strong, to do everything, to be careful, to obey the Lord. Again, the point is we need to be firm. We need to be strong in following the Lord. And here's the point. To keep God's blessing, be firm in keeping the Lord's command. In a sense, be stubborn in obeying his instructions. We need to have a strong conviction in following the Lord. You see, as Christians, it is not enough for us to just have beliefs about God. Our beliefs about who God is and his character should turn into convictions. And that should impact and change the way we live, our belief, our choices, our actions. And for example, during last week's breakfast meeting with leaders, we have this guest speaker, Dylan Wilk of Human Nature, and he shared to us one of his convictions. And he said, Walang lagay. Regardless of what happens to their companies, they won't give in to the temptation of giving bribes just to make things easier for them. And he said, walang lagay. And by God's grace, they were able to be consistent in this. And he was able to integrate this principle into human nature's uh, policy. And so with that, God also blessed them because of their faithfulness to this conviction. Another example is Dr. Caroline Tanchi Pedro. And I heard this story from her father. While in college, her conviction is to honor the Sabbath, or to honor the Lord's day, because that is one of God's command. And so on Sundays, she did not do any schoolwork. Instead, she dedicated her Sundays on attending church, worshiping God, and serving in the ministry. And by God's grace, she finished her college and graduated summa cum laude. We need to have strong convictions. How about you? What are your convictions? What are the truths and principles that you live by? What are your convictions about money or possession? What are your convictions about dealing with sin, with sexual purity, with marriage or parenting? What's your conviction about the use of your time, your choices, making choices, helping the needy, or even serving in the ministry? And how firm are you in following the Lord? How stubborn are you in doing your best to obey God in every aspect of your life? May the Lord help us. Now, how do we become strong in following the Lord? Joshua gives us true do-nots. First is do not deviate from God's instruction, verse 6. So be very careful to follow everything Moses wrote in the book of instruction. Do not deviate from it, turning either to the right or to the left. During bad weather conditions, pilots could still land a plane safely by using what we call instrument landing system. This system is a ground-based radio signal that guides pilots to locate their and land on runways even with zero or low visibility. And the ILS gives the pilot a recommended path to ensure that they have a safe and smooth landing. And now imagine if the pilot deviates from the guidance of the ILS. People on board would be in danger. They would miss the runway and their lives would be at risk. You see, in the same way, God has given us his word as our spiritual ILS. And as Joshua tells us in verse 6, we need to be very careful to obey everything that is written in it. We can't obey the things that we like and skip over the things that we don't like. Why? Because God calls us to obey everything so that it may go well with us. Because what he says is always best and what he requires for us, what he requires from us is always for our good. And so we need to be very careful. Next, do not associate with the people in the land. Do not associate with the people in the land. Verse seven, make sure you do not associate with the other people still remaining in the land. Does that mean God is a racist or discriminates against others? Of course not. To associate here is more than just being casual friends with people. And verse 12 gives us a clearer picture. Look at this. For if you turn back and cling to the remnant of these nations remaining among you and make marriages with them, so that you associate with them and they with you. So to associate here is to mix with them culturally by intermarriage and fully embracing their pagan custom. You see, Israel's history shows us that God's concern was valid and realistic. What happened? Israel failed to follow God's command and they associated themselves with the people of the land and embraced their pagan culture. Sadly, they ended up forsaking the Lord and losing God's blessing along the way. Just look at these two examples, Samson and King Solomon. Samson married a Philistine woman and had sexual relations with a prostitute. That's in Judges chapter 14 and 16. Also, Samson loved Delilah who caused his downfall. Instead of following the Lord, he followed his own ways and embraced and mixed culturally with the pagan people. And as for Solomon, in 1 Kings chapter 11, it tells us in Solomon's old age, his wives, because Solomon married many wives and concubines from other nations, His wives turned his heart away to worship other gods instead of being completely faithful to the Lord, his God, as his father, David, had been. You see, Samson was considered as one of the greatest judges of Israel and Solomon was one of Israel's greatest king. But great as they are, both of them failed to be strong in following the Lord and thus both ended losing God's blessing. Now, the question is, do you want to be like Samson? And like Solomon, yes, initially, you may enjoy the pleasures, the fleeting pleasures of the world. But in the end, you will lose God's blessing. So may the Lord help us. Next, God commanded the leaders through Joshua and said, Do not worship and serve other gods. Do not even mention the names of their gods, much less swear by them or serve them or worship them. In other words, Joshua tells them, have nothing to do with their gods. Have nothing to do with their gods. Now let me highlight this spiritual truth about us. See, you and I, we were created to worship. We were created to worship. As one author said, you don't occasionally worship in moments of intentional or formal religious activity. Hindi tayo worshiper during Sundays. We are worshipper every day of our lives. You are always looking for something to which you can attach your identity, your hopes and dreams, and your inner peace. Whatever controls the worship of your heart controls your choices, words, emotions, and actions. And that is true. In the past, people worship visible idols made of gold, silver, stone, or wood. But today we tend to worship invisible gods and these idols capture our hearts. Because of the sinfulness of our hearts, we could easily fall in worshiping the God of comfort, the God of sex, the God of money, the God of pleasure, the God of power. And so we have to be very careful. Now look at your life, reflect on the condition of your heart. What are the idols that you tend to worship? What are those things that you tend to follow and pursue? May God help us. Now the third, to keep God's blessing, Joshua tells the leaders, be careful to love the Lord, your God. Be careful to love the Lord, your God. Verse 11 of chapter 23. So be very careful to love the Lord, your God. In the original Hebrew text, the word careful here, here in verse 11, it means to keep, protect, it means to guard, to persevere, or to be diligent. Now note also what Joshua said, be very careful to love the Lord, your God, your God. That's the emphasis. It's the Lord your God. You see, Yahweh is not just the Lord up there, but Yahweh is your God. And this phrase, the Lord your God, appeared 13 times within these 16 verses of chapter 23. So that is the emphasis that God, the Lord, is not just a God out there, but He is the Lord your God. And what's the point? Here's the point the Lord is not just a God from a distance. Instead, he is the Lord. He is the God who has drawn near to you. He is the God who got involved in your life and whom you have experienced personally. I don't know where you are in your spiritual journey right now, but I pray and I hope that all of you would experience God, our God as Emmanuel, God with us. For Joshua, that is something that he experienced firsthand. You see, after Moses died, God appointed Joshua to be Israel's leader. And here is what God promised him. This was the time when Joshua was starting as to be a leader and he was 85 years old. Probably that was about 20 to 25 years prior to this chapter. God said, Moses, my servant is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I am giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses, wherever you set foot, you will be on the land I have given you. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous." And true to his word, God kept his promises to Joshua. And the whole book of Joshua is a testament of God's goodness and faithfulness to his people, Israel, and specifically to Joshua. Indeed, no one was able to stand against Joshua. God did not fail him nor abandon him. And the land is now theirs for the taking. And here in chapter 23, Joshua lived for over a hundred years and he is able to look back and say, indeed, God has been faithful to me. God has been faithful to me. And that is what Joshua affirmed here in chapter 23 in verse 14, it says, soon I will die going the way of everything on earth Deep in your hearts, you know that every promise of the Lord your God has come true. Not a single one has failed. Every promise of the Lord your God has come true. Not a single one of them has failed. After 20 to 25 years of his life, Joshua tasted and seen God's faithfulness. And indeed, he has proven God has been true to his word. Not a single one of them has failed. How about you? What's your experience of God in your life? I hope and pray that you'd really look back and reflect on God's goodness in your life. How has the Lord been faithful to you in small ways or big ways? May we always go back to that reality and so that we could fully embrace and love the Lord in return. Now again, Joshua is pointing this reality to the people of Israel. Since God has proven his faithfulness to you, be careful to love and remain faithful to him since God has proven his faithfulness to you, be careful to love the Lord wholeheartedly." Again, dear brothers and sisters, God is calling us. We need to be careful to love him wholeheartedly. And the question for us is what would be your choice? Now let's go to verse eight to 11. How can we love the Lord wholeheartedly? How can we be careful to love the Lord our God? Verse 8 tells us, rather cling tightly to the Lord your God as you have done until now. To cling tightly here means to stick, to stay close, or to be joined together. It also means to abide, to be united, or to cleave. And that is the same word used in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. It's about the cleaving of a husband and wife towards oneness. Genesis 2.24, For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined, that is to cling, to be united, or to cleave, to be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. You see, for those of us who are now in Christ, for those of us who made that decision to follow the Lord, we now have a special relationship with God. The Bible tells us that God is now our husband and we are his bride. We, the church, is God's bride. And therefore, God expects us to be faithful and loyal to Him. And so to cling tightly to the Lord is to be loyal and to be fully devoted to Him. To cling tightly to the Lord means that God expects us to be faithful to Him. To cling tightly to the Lord is to be faithful to God, and just as a husband and wife are faithful to each other. And to cling tightly means that it takes responsibility, it takes intentionality, effort, and commitment. Now, here's another spiritual reality that I want to highlight. Earlier, we said that we were created to worship. And here's the second one. We were created to love. Again, as the author Paul David Tripp said, you just don't love, you are a lover. Every human being's life is a quest to find something to love and a quest to be loved. This means that you're always surrendering your affections or the affections of your heart to something. Whatever commands the love of your heart also shapes the direction of your life. And that is why we need to be very careful because you and I are sinners and it's very tempting for us to love and worship what we were meant to give to God, to God alone. And we need to be careful instead of giving it to something or someone in creation. If we are not careful the love that is supposed to be for God, we will channel it to something or someone else that is lesser than God. You see, you and I, we desire to have good possessions. We hunger for comfort and ease. We long for another relationship with another person. We long for that affection and we want to experience the admiration of others. These are good things. And these are the things are not wrong in themselves. But then if these good things becomes the focus of our hearts, if these good things become the ruler of our heart, then this good desires would become something problematic. Because the focus of our love becomes the idols of our hearts. And that is idolatry. Our love for and worship of the Creator are replaced by our love for and worship of created things. That is what the Bible calls idolatry. So we need to be careful. We need to love the Lord our God wholeheartedly. We need to cling tightly to Him. And again, I encourage you, look into your heart. What are the loves in your heart? What are the things that you devote? Time, energy, resources. What are the things that you sacrifice for? What are the things that you hope for and dream for that you feel that you, if you just have these things, it would give you peace, hope, fulfillment, wholeness. Again, these are not necessarily bad things in and of themselves, but then we have to be careful not to make these things the focus of our lives. Again, be very careful to love the Lord your God and cling tightly to him. And what would motivate us to do that? Again, we need to go back to God's favor and goodness to us. Joshua said, rather cling tightly to the Lord your God as you have done until now. For the Lord has driven out great and powerful nations for you and no one has yet been able to defeat you. Each one of you will put to flight a thousand of the enemy, for the Lord your God fights for you just as he promised. So be very careful to love the Lord your God. Joshua reminded the leaders, love the Lord, love God, because he loved you first. He cared for you. He fought for you. He brought you into this land, even if you don't deserve it. God made everything and did everything. He did his best to bring you up to this point. And so love the Lord your God. And Joshua continues But if you turn away from him and cling to the customs of the survivors of these nations remaining among you, and if you intermarry with them, and Joshua gave them those warnings. But again, before we continue, Joshua is just highlighting here the reality. What's your choice? Here's your choice. Either you cling to the Lord or to the custom of the nations around you. Make your choice. Will you love the Lord and cling to him? Or will you love the other gods and cling to the customs these nations. Again, these are the choices that Israel has to make. And that is the same choice for us as well. Now, in case the leaders fail to remember God's faithfulness and in case they fail to follow the Lord and be careful to love him, what would happen? Joshua gave them these warnings and he gave them uh, four warnings. First, you will have trouble. Joshua said, you will have trouble in verse 13. Instead, they will be a snare and a trap for you, a whip for your backs and thorny brambles in your eyes. Joshua said, if you forsake the Lord, it will only bring you pain, trouble, and harm upon yourselves. And that is the same thing with us. We may pursue good things that we think that could give us security, that would give us our, our identity, or purpose. For example, money or pleasure. Or the things of this world, initially, it will feel good. You will experience the, the bliss, the exhilaration of, of having these things. But that would just be at the beginning. But in the end, it will be bitter. It will be painful. It will be a trap for us. It will bring us harm. And Joshua also gave this second warning. You will lose your blessing and then you will know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive them out of your land and you will vanish from all this good land the Lord your God has given you. You see, Joshua warned the leaders that they could lose their future blessing and not only that, even the blessings that they are now enjoying, they would lose as well. You see, my wife and I were li- recently discussing about the, the reality of many Christians, especially Christian leaders, have fallen because of their sins, because they have not been careful to love the Lord God. They have a beautiful family. They have fruitful ministry. They have uh, everything on the surface. You can see that they're already successful and God has blessed them and God has given them favor. But then something happened. They love the world. They have forgotten how the Lord had been faithful to them and they have compromised their faith, their convictions. They have compromised the truth. They love the world and they have forsaken the Lord. And sadly, they lost the blessing. They lost their family. They lost their ministry. They lost their relationship with God. And I'm telling this not just to warn you, but also as a warning to myself, because I could be also one of them if I am not careful. And that is my prayer also. I pray that, I, I pray that you pray for me, pray for all of the pastors, that we will not be those leaders, those Christians who would fall I pray that we would be strong in our conviction, that we would be careful in our love for God. And let us pray for each other as well, that you yourself also let us be careful to obey the Lord, to remember his faithfulness, to love him and follow him wholeheartedly. Because as the Bible tells us, our hearts is so deceitful. We are lovers and worshipers, and we could easily wander away to love the things that God created instead of focusing on loving God and loving Him alone. And now to emphasize the seriousness of what Joshua said, he repeated this warning two more times. Verse 15, he said, If you disobey the Lord, you will be destroyed. But as surely as the Lord your God has given you the good things He promised, He will also bring disaster on you if you disobey Him. He will completely destroy you from this good land He has given you. And the last, He said, God's anger will burn against you and you will certainly lose your blessing. Verse 16, if you break the covenant of the Lord your God by worshiping and serving other gods, his anger will burn against you and you will quickly vanish from the good land he has given you. Again, Joshua's point here is this. You have two choices. What's your choice? Will you choose to love God and keep enjoying his blessing? Or will you choose to forsake the Lord and receive curses? You see, the people of Israel, throughout the history, we could say that God has been very patient with them. God has blessed them with a good land and God has blessed them with these good things. But sadly, they chose to love other gods, to love the custom of the nations around them, and they have forsaken the Lord. But then the Lord had been very faithful to them and sent them prophets again and again to warn them, to call them back to him and to, to repent, for them to repent and to be reconciled. But Israel was so stubborn. God had given him at least 200, 300, 400 years for them to turn around and repent. But then God's patience eventually ended after those hundreds of years and God sent them to exile. He allowed them, he allowed Israel to be conquered by Assyria, by Babylon and sent them to exile. And God was true to his word. God was true to his word that he was faithful to bring blessing upon them. And God is also true to his word. He sent them curses because they forsook the Lord. And so, dear church, that is the same choice that we have today. What would be your choice? Will you love the Lord or will you love the world? Would you choose to honor Him, to be faithful to Him? Or would you choose to be faithful to to your own way, to your own self and honor yourself above God? May the Lord help us. Now, you may ask, how else does this, this truth apply to us? We don't have any land that God promised us. We don't have any promised land, just like the people of Israel has. Yes, that's a reality. How then is Joshua 23 relevant for us today? Well, if you look at the New Testament, the book of Hebrews answers us. That's in Hebrews chapter 4. In the Old Testament, God used Joshua to bring God's people into the promised land. And now guess what the New Testament name for Joshua is? It's Jesus. Joshua is the Old Testament Hebrew word and its equivalent in the New Testament Greek is Jesus. Both Joshua and Jesus means God saves. And here's the point. In the Old Testament, God led Joshua to lead the people into the promised land to give them the rest that God had promised them. However, the rest that they experienced was incomplete. Why? Why? Because all of these things, the rest that Joshua was able to give, is just a shadow of a greater reality. And Israel's rest is only a pointer to the greater reality and the lasting rest that would come through the one who is greater than Joshua. And that is our Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews 4 tells us, God's promise of entering his rest still stands. So we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. For this good news that God has prepared his rest has been announced to us just as it was to them. Verse 8, Now if Joshua had succeeded in giving them rest, God has not spoken about another day of rest still to come. So there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. You see, God has given rest to the people of Israel through Joshua. But then the point is, it is not yet the ultimate rest. It is just a shadow of the greater reality. And that greater reality is the rest that would come through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, Joshua fought the great battle against the Canaanite kings to possess the promised land. But our Lord Jesus Christ, he fought the greatest battle of all times. He waged war against sin, Satan, and death. And through Christ's life, death, and resurrection, he secured eternal victory for his people. And that is God's blessing for all of us. And that is God's gift for you and me. And he is just waiting for us to respond. Now, the question is, how do we enter this special rest? How do we possess this blessing of the greater promised land that Christ offers us? Hebrews 4 verse 3 tells us, For only we who believe can enter his rest. Did you hear that? Only those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ can enter God's complete and lasting rest. Only those who surrender their life to Christ. Only those who acknowledge Christ as their Lord and Savior. And verse 7 continues. So God set another time for entering his rest. And that time is today. God announced this. Much later in the words already quoted. Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Dear friends, this is God's invitation to you and me. God wants us to enter into his rest. God wants us to give that promised land. And not just a temporal promised land, but the eternal promised land that we can have through Christ. Now, God showed us the greatest act of his goodness and faithfulness when he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins so that you and I, we can be saved from the wrath of God so that you and I, we can escape his great wrath and judgment. So what more could you ask? God did his Move already. He showed his faithfulness. And all that is left for us right now is to listen to God's voice, to receive that gift, to embrace God's love for us. And how do we do that? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Surrender your life to Christ. Let today be a day wherein you would tell God, Lord, I want you to be my Savior. I surrender my life to you. Be my master. Be my Savior. Forgive my sins. Help me to understand who you are. Help me to have faith to believe in you. If that is the prayer of your heart, I pray that you would really open up your hearts and pray to the Lord. And starting today, dedicate your life to Christ. Let Him be your Savior, your Lord, and your Master. And starting today, let Christ be the one to save you and usher you into the promised land. And so today, remember, how to keep God's blessing. Remember the Lord's faithfulness. Be strong and firm in your conviction to follow the Lord and be careful to love the Lord, your God. And when we do this, you will receive God's blessing of the eternal promised land that Christ promises when the new heavens and the new earth is revealed through the glory of Christ when he returns. Let us pray. O God Most High, our faithful God, you are the God who is good, who is loving. You are the God who fulfills your word and promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to Moses and Joshua. And up until today, you are the God who fulfilled your promise to your people of your salvation, of your deliverance, through the life, the suffering, and death of our Lord Jesus Christ. You are the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And therefore, help us, Lord, to really fully embrace you and be grateful to who you are, to your love, to your grace. And Father, as we continue to reflect on this lesson on Joshua, help us to really look back in our lives, recall your faithfulness, be grateful to your goodness to us. Father, forgive us for many times that we tend to wonder, wander away from you, go our own way to love and worship other gods instead of loving and worshiping you. Help us, O Lord, to return to you. Help us to love you with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And Father, as we live our lives, grant us the grace to have strong and firm conviction to follow you, to be careful to the point of being stubborn, of following you wholeheartedly. And grant us, O God, the grace to love you, to say that you are not just a God out there, but you are the Lord, our God, our personal God, the God who has been faithful to us, the God whom we experience, the God who is Emmanuel, God with us. Father, we commit to you our lives, we live up to you our needs, our concerns, our worries, our hopes and dreams. In everything, may you alone be glorified in our lives. Help us to trust in you, in your goodness, in your perfect wisdom, in your perfect ways. Help us to walk by faith and not by sight. And once more, in everything, may you alone be honored and glorified in our lives. Thank you so much, O Lord. Now, Church, as you bow your heads, receive this benediction. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. May you continue to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and be faithful to follow him all the days of your lives. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen, amen, and amen. Thank you once more for joining us. May God continue to encourage us through His Word and through His Spirit throughout this week. See you again next time. God bless us all.